What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Finance for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wren. Join me as we dig into what it looks like for physicians to begin using their finances as a tool to live better lives. You can learn more about our resources at financeforphysicians.co. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Hey, uh, hope you're having a great day. I was talking with a buddy a few days ago and conversation came up. The the same sort of conversation happens uh, with me a lot, but the gist of the conversation was, oh, you're in finance. This is the guy talking to me. Oh, you're in finance. Oh, well, um, I've been investing in stocks and I have this, this one that I've been investing in since since the stock market went down in uh, 2000 and in the in the COVID downturn uh, in early 2020, and he began to share. You know, the, he told me the specific stock. I can't remember now, but uh, this the specific stock that he he was buying, and uh, he wanted to make sure he wasn't making the same mistake that a lot of his uh, family or friends had made, and like getting nervous when the market was bad, and instead invested in something. Uh, that he felt like was a good good place to invest, and so he proceeded to tell me about his investing, his experience investing in this stock, and did it did very well in the year or so after, and but lately it hadn't done as well, and that that's kind of what brought up I think his thought about this stock is he he was asking me about how we're handling the recent market volatility, which that's a common you know just dinner party conversational or question people ask me. And so this stock in particular, he was describing, he was sharing has been doing not so well. And so, but he was still optimistic about it over that period of time. So like, you know, March, April, May of 2020 till now, it's still above break even. So he still made some money on it. So overall, he felt pretty good about it, um, especially given the weak market that we're in now. So as I'm recording this, this is like close to them. It's it's a March. What month is it? <laughs> it's early. Uh, not March. It's early May 2022. So, and the market's been a little shaky. So, given the market uncertainty, he, he felt pretty good about it. So, that is a conversation I've had too many times. Can't even remember how many times I've had it with people at um, usually at social events. They're sharing about their experience, like in investing, and. Um, you know, generally it's a favorable lean. This example I just gave was kind of a little bit of a negativity negativity creeping in, but still overall favorable. There was no, it wasn't like they were asking my advice or opinion. It was just kind of, they were trying to make conversation with me, um, you know, knowing what profession I was in. I'm sure you all have had similar conversations about your profession uh, um, as it comes up. And so I wanted, so... (laughs) After hearing, after having that conversation and just and seeing it come up so many times, I thought it would be good to talk today about uh, diversification and this temptation for the opposite of that, uh, or you know, kind of like the FOMO temptation or the, uh, the shiny object. We're all susceptible to it. All of us are. I don't know. Maybe you've been more favorite. Uh, had a better experience, but most people I talk to, um, including myself, we've had examples of s- situations where we probably made a poor decision and went away from diversification and and uh, you know went after the shiny object. I fortunately learned a lot of those lessons earlier and uh, when I was younger, when the dollars weren't as big. But um, 
But I think a lot of this, the questions no normally come up are like, how do I avoid this? Um, I think the key that here is, at least from a starting point, is education. Like educating yourself, that'll go a long way. I mean, it's not everything, but it'll go a long way. Just understanding the basics of how this works and how it plays into the results and your situation, I think that'll get you a long way. So that's what we're going to do today is just talk about some baseline education and along the lines of investing, foundational investing, and like diversification in particular. And hopefully this will help you keep, keep a little more dollars in your pocket in the end. Okay, so what is diversification? Let's just clear that up real quick. So when I say diversification or the definition of in, uh, diversification would be spreading your money uh, across multiple uh, investments in an effort to reduce volatility and risks. So it's a way to, you know, you, I'm sure you've heard that before, spreading your eggs in different baskets. Uh, and it's a risk mitigation tactic. Uh, ultimately, the goal is to be, you know, more efficient with your investments. So let's assume you had $10,000 and you want to invest in, a, you know, some company stocks. Uh, you want to put it to work for you. So hypothetical example, we say, let's just say each company has uh, exactly a one-third chance of going completely bankrupt. So you got, you know, a choice of stocks. Each company has one-third chance of going bankrupt. And then the remainder of the companies, so two-thirds, have are, are going to do really well. But you, the catch is you have no idea which one will be which. So option one, you know, maybe you take 10000 and you buy one stock. You, uh, you know, just pick one. I don't know. Since you don't know what's, who's going to do what, you kind of are just flipping a coin, basically. So in this scenario, you got, you know, one-third, obviously, chance of losing it all, two-thirds chance of doing really well, which sounds okay, uh, I guess, if we're thinking from a casino kind of viewpoint. Um, like, it's better than blackjack, right? It's better than going, like, to the track uh, or roulette, but probably not adequate for your retirement. Uh, most of us would agree, I think, that that's probably unreasonable for a nest egg and trying to build it. Uh, because, you know, a one-third chance of losing it all, that's, that's just too much risk. Um, so, so let's say option two is you buy uh, $1,000. So you spread your eggs in different baskets, buy 10, 10 stocks, $1,000 uh, each. And so in that scenario by spreading it out into 10 different stocks you decrease your chances of losing it all by a ton um i think it's like one in 60,000 or something like that like one in tens of thousands chance of losing it all so pretty small chance of losing it all uh just by spreading it out into 10 different stocks um and so that's good um or maybe even option 3 you buy $100 and 100 stocks and that even that, that makes it incredibly small chance. Um, it's basically, you know, pretty close to zero, but there's a tiny chance uh, you're going to lose it all. So that's the concept of diversification is you're spreading out the investment so that you're reducing those chances of having poor outcomes. So I'll circle back to that. But there's some issues people run into that make it a little harder to diversify. So we'll we'll circle back to that. But that's diversification. So um, you, I'm sure you've heard like the market thrown around, the word, the market, and I've probably thrown it around a bunch of times before. But I wanted to clarify that since we're going to be digging into this a little bit more. So the market, when I say the market, the market is like the collective of all companies you can invest in if you're just, you know, 
anyone can invest in them. They call them public. So that means anyone can buy stock in these companies, uh, whether they buy it directly through uh, directly ownership of the stock, or they maybe they buy an ETF that has those that company stock in it, or maybe even a mutual fund. Um, but the market, when you hear the market, that's like the collective of all the companies that are able to be purchased by anyone through um, any of those vehicles. Uh, so the market, when you look at the market like overall, and you kind of like smush it all together, it's actually a pretty solid investment in itself. And so at a minimum, it's a good benchmark for, you know, how are you doing? So um, it's sometimes people struggle with knowing like how to measure success in investing because it's like, well, uh, what's the alternative? And so one example of or one really good example of a, an alternative or a benchmark to compare would be, you know, the market uh, or all stocks that are available. And there's a bunch of different measures of the market. There's even like stocks that track the market, like the Vanguard total stock market. That's meant to be a pretty good representation of the total U.S. stock market or even like the Vanguard. It's called, I think it's called like the total world index or something like that. There's there's mutual funds and ETFs that track the market. In other words, they're like, their intent is to own all the stocks. So that's a a good kind of benchmark for like, what are we tracking against uh, for stocks, for buying stocks? Um, And it's actually pretty, nowadays, it's it's pretty easy, or I guess, yeah, easy and inexpensive to buy the entire market. Or you can buy like slices of the market too. So that's where it gets, it starts to get complicated. Like you can buy like small companies, you can buy tech stocks, you can buy, you know, everything in between an individual stock and owning the entire market. But when I say the market, I'm talking about like owning everything, like just owning all the stocks in the market. And so with with diversification, so the other thing I wanted to point out is with diversification, the big one of the primary goals is to reduce risk. So it, I think it would be I think it's good to clarify there's a there's a couple different categories of risk. Uh, there is systematic risk in investing. So that's just that's the stuff you can't get rid of from diversification and like the market risk. Like it doesn't matter how many baskets, eggs you have in different baskets, you're still going to be, you could own a million stocks, all the stocks in the world, and you're still going to have risk of market, uh, market risk, um, you know, either, either the market itself or inflationary issues or stuff like that. There's some stuff that we just can't diversify away from. And those are just there. That's a baseline. So systematic risk, uh, you can't really get rid of it. Uh, it is what it is. The stuff, though, with diversification, we're trying to re- reduce or even avoid. They they call it unsystematic or idiosyncratic risks. Um, it's kind of like the, uh, this is like the non-market risk, like everything else. Uh, and this is what you can reduce by diversification. And so uh, examples of that would be like a company specific risk. Every company has risks, uh, whether it be like, having a bad CEO that nobody realized or a lawsuit or a product that just doesn't work out. Like those are things companies cannot always avoid. They're going to always be there. Uh, so, and sometimes they're completely unpredictable. And then there's industry specific risks like, uh, you know, big regulatory change related to an in- industry or just market factors like the pandemic had worse, you know, more negative effects on like entertainment industry. So th- those, those types of things, um, 
their risks too, but you can diversify to help reduce them. So back to the pandemic, like, like I was saying, entertainment companies were much more susceptible to that risk. But so if you had one stock, like let's say you had Carnival, <laughs> all your money was in Carnival, that would be a problem when the pandemic hit because like, I mean, they're getting crushed. Uh, but, and even if you had like all cruise liners, all their stocks, and even like all, you know, casinos and all the entertainment industry, um, you're still getting a huge hit when the pandemic hits, like major. Um, but what diversification does is it helps you to own, you know, you're going to be owning like multiple different uh, industries and uh, diversifying away from that risk so that it's softening the blow, basically. So the stock market. So when we look at this market, I think it's good to look at history is not always it's, it doesn't you know always repeat itself, but it's really the best thing we have to kind of understand 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 things and how they work. So historically, the stock market actually has. So going back to that market, I'm talking about the market, like the market overall. So for this example, I'm going to talk about the S and P 500. So that's some people, you know, that's kind of a one uh, measure of the market. Uh, what that technically represents is the 500 biggest companies in the U.S. So it's probably not a complete measure of the, it's definitely not a complete measure of the entire market, but it's a pretty good slice of the market. So S&P 500, uh, we're going to look at this a little bit. So to understand how this, this works. So historically, the market, it what tends to play out is like a pretty small uh, percentage of um, companies end up like influencing the performance of the overall market. In other words, like the big winners are, they're going to, they kind of pull up the rest of everybody else. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, a, it's substantial. So I, f I found some statistics on this. It was surprising even to me, but, and the statistics were on the S and P 500. So from 2000 to 2020, the majority of stocks underperform the S and P 500 returns. So the S and P 500 of all those 500 stocks, the majority of them are underperforming the basically the collective return of all of them. Um, and the percentage of those, so, so some do over outperform, but the percentage that does outperform is 22%. So basically it's like 80, 20, roughly like 80% underperform 20% over outperform uh, over that period of time. So those 20% are basically pulling the weight there. And another view of that is like over that same period of time, the S&P 500 gained 322% while the median stock rose by just uh, 63%. So basically like the takeaway there is like only 20% of the stocks are really, are really outperforming. Like one, you know, and then the average stock, if you just pick a stock, it's, there's a pretty good shot. It's, it's un, or a very good shot. It's underperforming. So picking stocks randomly has like a very high likelihood of underperformance. And so, you know, you might be asking like, well, okay, why not just, uh, let's, why not just pick the winners? So how hard can it be? Well, it's actually like super difficult. It's, uh, and that's, you know, the more you dig into this, you'll start to see this, but if you look at all the research on this, uh, even for like the investing pros or experts, uh, it's extremely difficult for them to pick those winners. 
and we talk a lot about this. I, I've done some shows in the past on passive investing, so we'll um, link to those. Uh, we dig into that a little bit more. Uh, but basically, the having the winners or having those stocks that do really well, like the past, it's been like uh, Am- uh, Amazon and uh, you know Apple. Those those stocks have killed it. Having them in your portfolio or in your basket of stocks is is pretty huge for long-term success but they're really really hard on the back end they're easy to pick but on the front end they're very difficult to pick even when you are super smart and do tons of research so diversification is basically like saying you know i'm gonna buy like multiple stocks many stocks maybe maybe a ton of stocks to help reduce my risks of underperforming the market now, passive investing, I've, I mentioned that already. Uh, passive investing is not exactly the same thing as diversification, but passive investing is more of like a style of investing or approach or philosophy. But passive investing is kind of like the ultimate of diversification, which I'll link to that if you want to, if you're, if you're not clear on what that is, you can dig into that. But passive investing is kind of like the, well, it's a good example of diversification because it's basically like owning everything. So let's look at a, market specific example. So if you, you could buy a zoom stock. Um, I was looking at it. It just, I, I was using zoom. So it popped into my head. Uh, zoom stock has done really well. And a lot of, and also people have asked about it or looked into it. But if you look at zoom stock and I just pulled it up for like a year, it's not that you should look at a longer period of time, but the, the concept I think I wanted to make, this will be this will be good for it. So I just pulled up Zoom stock on like Google Finance and uh, the one year return as of when I'm looking at it now, which is uh, May 2nd, 2022. So the one year return uh, was like, and this is on Google Finance, was like negative 67.02%. So it's had a rough year or 12 months ending today. I guess this is as of the minute. Google Finance is pretty cool because you can look at um, it. They have a very good tool to look up stocks and securities and mutual funds. And all you do, you can just type in the ticker or Zoom stock quote or whatever, and you, it'll go straight to that. So I think it's it's showing you the return one year as of like the most recent quote today. So it's changing. It's already down to it's 66.82% now. It's changing as I'm talking, which is funny. Uh, but anyway, it's way down. It's 60 plus percent down, we'll say, uh, over that one year period of time, which is pretty lousy. I mean, obviously, that's a killer. Now, if you look at the uh, Vanguard Information Informational Information Technology Fund, what's the ticker? VGT. So that's a good uh, kind of like tech sector. Uh, like it's it's more of like a big basket of technology stocks. So that's an example, a really good example of diversification, company diversification, not sector diversification, because you're just buying a tech uh, ETF. It's it's just a bunch of tech stocks. Okay, so if we're comparing Zoom stock and we we look at uh, say like a technology sector ETF, I'll use like this uh, ETF called it's called QQQ, but it's basically like a pretty good slice of the um, technology sector or whatever. It's not nearly as bad. I mean, it's had, it's down, I guess. So as of one year, it's like six or so percent down. But when you compare those two, it's much less volatile. Basically, you're by owning like a, a tech uh, 
the entire tech sector sector, you're like diversifying away from that company specific risk. I'm not sure what's happening with Zoom, but like they've had a rough stretch, obviously, since after the pandemic. Before the pandemic, they had a big upturn, but since then they've had some downturn. Owning this, uh, owning like a technology sector ETF uh, is gonna is gonna be a way to diversify away from that uh, company specific risk. And then you can go further with it. You can say, okay, well, if diversification is helpful, why not uh, own all the different sectors? So you can buy like the Vanguard total stock market. That's like for you, investing in the US, that's, you know, very well diversified. That's basically, you know, intent is to own the entire US stock market. So it's going to own all the sectors. So in that exam, in that, uh, since you're able to diversify not only away from those company specific risks, but also like industry specific risks. So you're, it's the best way to reduce that, um, that unsystematic risk and uh, ultimately will provide better outcomes. If you're on board with that approach, I think common question is like, well, how do I actually do this? And so I think the first thing is to look at what you're investing now. Also, I mean, on top of like educating yourself on just this, I mean, you can dig into this concept a lot more. I'm like still scratching the surface, but um, it's good to educate yourself on the topic, especially if you're not familiar with a lot of this stuff. Um, but once you feel good about it, you start to look at your specific situation, understand what your overall percentage of types of investments looks like. They call it asset allocation. Um, so like how many, what percentage of your total investments are in stocks or bonds or what types of stocks do you have? Do you have technology stocks? Do you have real estate? Do you have whatever? Um, are they big companies or small companies? Like understanding, just that's a simple thing. Understand your asset allocation. That's a good small step to like see how you're doing on this whole diversification thing. So you might be th thinking, well, how do I do that? So an easy way to do that, uh, you can just, well, it depends on what you own, but hopefully you own either a ETF or a mutual fund um, or a stock. So like you can just, if you own a mutual fund ETF or stock, it has what's called a ticker. So like that's a letter abbreviation of the fund and you can Google it. That's probably the easiest way. So let's say you own VTI. That's a that's one of the biggest ETFs. So you can Google VTI and click into Vanguard and it's going to have pretty good info. Let's do this. I'll show you a good way to do it that'll work for any type of uh, ETF stock or mutual fund. So you can go to a website, uh, Morningstar.com. Morningstar is nice because, I mean, it's a free to the public website, like anybody can get on it. So go to Morningstar and um, at the top, it has like search quotes on it. So you can type in VTI, or if you're not sure what the ticker is, you can type in Vanguard Total Stock Market. And then you just have to pick which, whether you have an ETF or the something else. So like if you have the Vanguard Total Stock Market ETF, you know, you click that, that's gonna pull up their um, summary of that particular fund. And you can click on to portfolio. When you scan down a little bit, you'll see a tab for portfolio. That's the one to look at, I think, if we're talking about how well it's diversified. So I'll show you a few helpful things to look at. 
So if you go scan down a touch, you'll see on the left asset allocation and on the right stock style. So the asset allocation will tell you how much of it is US versus international versus fixed like bond type investments. So this investment, the Vanguard total stock market is basically 100%, close to 100% US stocks, uh, which makes sense. Now on the right side, stock style, you can see this map. I like to click weight, switch it to weight. And you'll see that's the percentage of each category that you have. So it's, it's um, I don't know what they call this thing, but it's, a, it's the boxes. It's like uh, nine boxes showing uh, which. So if you look at the top left, that's, that's basically showing you own 15% large cap value. So those are larger companies that are categorized as value companies. So that's one of the category, one of the things you can categorize by when you're looking at diversification. Um, and then medium is in the middle and small is on the bottom. So what you're looking for, like for diversification purposes, you're looking for kind of like a, you know, a general spread across this. You definitely don't like want any one of these categories. And so that'll show you kind of the, the uh, size spread and the value versus growth spread. And then you can scan down a little bit more. And so scan down to like uh, exposure on the left and sector. So exposure sector, you can see what percentage this particular ETF owns between like technology, financial services, real estate. So this ETF owns 25% and change uh, technology stocks. And then it owns 13% financial services. And then three, almost 4% real estate. A lot of people don't realize they own real estate within their fund. So you can see how spread, you want this to be spread out. Uh, and then the last thing I would look at, I mean, you can look at all this stuff, but the last big thing I typically take a peek at is right below that. Yeah, so holdings right below that. You can see uh, equity holdings listed there as of the most recent date. And so this particular fund as of March 31st, 2022, has 4,119 equity holdings. That, that basically means this fund, when you buy it, you're going to basically own over 4,000 individual stocks, which is great. So you want a high number there. If you're looking to diversify, you want a, a big number. If a company, some of these mutual funds have like 50 or less stocks, that's less, much, much less diversified. So if you're going for diversification, higher numbers are generally better. It's also interesting sometimes if you, you're curious more specifically, like below it, it'll show like the holdings. A lot of people don't realize they own, you know, all these stocks. Like you're going to own Apple, like five, six, almost 6% in this fund. Uh, so you can look at each of those funds that you own and uh, see where it's invested. And then, I mean, you could do a spreadsheet and say you own four funds and you have the dollar amount and then you can plug in like which asset class each of them have and how many securities they have, all those metrics I just pointed out. You could map that out on a spreadsheet and then pull that all together and there you have it. You're going to have a very good view of how you're invested, how well it's diversified, uh, what your asset allocation is, all those sorts of things. So that's a good exercise, especially if you're, if you're doing this yourself. This is the way you really want to be. Um, now, if you're if you're working with a planner or like if you're working with us, you know, it's just it's more of like uh, yeah, making sure that's something that's being addressed and understanding it or asking questions or having the education level to 
no good questions to ask, that sort of thing. So any of you guys that work with us, feel free to any anytime bring this up and we can dig in um, as much as you'd like. But it's good either way, I think, to understand the basics. And if you need to make changes, say you go through this and you're like, you know, maybe you own three stocks or something. So if you own like three individual stocks, well, I think it's obvious that's like, well, it will probably be a very good idea to diversify uh, and own many more than three because you just don't really know. So you have to be careful with it in some instances. Don't just like sell everything and go buy new stuff. Make sure you're keeping an eye on the tax consequences. That's one thing, especially if you, if you have it in a taxable investment. If it's not in a retirement plan, there can often be tax consequences when you sell things. So just be aware of that. Talk to your accountant or talk to your financial planner before you just go selling stuff. And if you're working with those people, lean on them. I mean, that's the big thing is like, say, what does my asset allocation need to look like? And am I in line with that? That's that's really what it comes down to is how well am I diversified? And it would be good to see that. And then what are the categories uh, of how it's spread? And is it in line? Is that as efficient as it needs to be? And if you need to make changes, you're just making changes over time. So a lot of people uh, uh, have are kind of like anti-diversification, I guess. I don't know. At, at least maybe they don't say it that way, but a lot of this stuff that's out there is kind of like against diversification. So some of the questions we see come up, I wanted to throw out and, and talk over briefly. Uh, so I've I've heard uh, the question posed of, is diversification going to make it harder for me to hit goals? Because I'm going to, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not going to hit any home runs. Because diversification is kind of like hitting a single and a double. You know, it's like a, it's like a base hit. So the question would be, well, maybe maybe I want to go for home runs because if I, if I, I mean, striking out's bad, but like uh, if I go to bad enough times, it will eventually work out to good. Uh, but with investing, that's not really true. Uh, I mean, there, if you, I'm talking to a group of you all. So there's maybe one of you, I'm sure there's someone you've talked to before that like hit home runs and just crushed it with not diversifying, like picking winners. But if you look at large numbers of people, even like super smart people that know what they're doing, it's incredibly difficult to do well, not diversified or just hit a home run. And so if I, since I'm talking to a group of you all, no question, uh, diversification is actually going to make your goals easier to hit. Now, one of you might have, a, you know, get lucky or whatever, uh, or, you know, hit that home run. But uh, the, the, the bulk of you all will be better off by diversifying, actually, and it will make it easier to hit those goals. It's common to hear this from a buddy that just, you know, had something good happen. And so it's like, you know, my buddy just bought GameStop stock. So like, I want to try it out too. So, you know, before you go about doing something based on like a contact or a friend, consult with the research. I mean, like do some homework. Odds are your buddy doesn't really know what he's doing. He just got lucky. It's not like winning the lottery lucky. Like if if your buddy made some money buying stocks, um, that's not like going to the track and hitting it big. I mean, or winning the Powerball or whatever. It's more like speeding and not getting caught. So like usually, I mean, if you speed enough, you're going to get pulled over. But not everybody. Like you know the person that uh, has just has not gotten caught. And you're like, dude, you go like 50 over. Um, so the researchers would all agree like, you know, that would be luck. A lot of it is luck. So there's always going to be that person though that, that hits a home run, even though it is 
Look, another question that comes up is, is cryptocurrency a way, a good way to diversify? Cryptocurrency is, uh, in, is interesting. It's still so new. We covered it a while ago. Um, I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, it's a very new thing. So the verdict is still out as to how that's going to shake out. I guess you could call it maybe a sector, but it's not really a type. It's not a traditional investment in the sense of there's no underlying business. Uh, you're investing in like a currency-ish. Uh, it's more in the category of currency or really, I guess, NFTs, like uh, non-fungible token, uh, those types of investments. It's a very new type of investment, a lot of uncertainty. Uh, the verdict is still out. I guess it could be a potential new way to diversify because the diversification works really well when you find like different things you don't already own and you own them as well. So cryptocurrency could be a additional way to diversify, but I'm not sure of that yet. I think it's really early and it's going to be, uh, I think time will tell. What about diversifying into passive investments like real estate that often that's a that's a question that comes up a lot it's like well um you know i get the whole diversification thing so like let's take it to the next level and let's diversify into my local real estate market that is actually it makes sense on the surface but uh, in reality that's actually going the other direction away from diversification because most people already own real estate they don't realize it but they own real estate in their investment funds like within their investment funds like i was talking about earlier the vanguard total stock market owns real estate uh, so most people already own real estate they just don't realize it and and most people own it like as passively as you can own it which is just in a fund now if you're stepping the what i mean by the other direction if you're picking one particular market in one particular city in one particular type of real estate like long-term rentals and you're deciding to invest in that that's the opposite of diversification. That's like picking one stock. It's it's like going all, you know, into in one specific direction as opposed to owning all sorts of real estate. Now, that doesn't mean that the difference between owning real estate like this, like I'm talking about, like directly owning it, uh, is that you are more actively starting to participate in the business. And so that's a little different and I think the same question comes up sometimes. It's like, well, what if I'm investing in my business? That's that's different because you're involved in it. So when you start to get involved in things, I think, at least in my view, um, I'm a huge fan of diversification, except for, or the exception I give is for my own business, really. And that doesn't mean I'm like not going to diversify in my business, but like I am okay not being nearly as diversified in my own business because I'm directly involved in it and I have, you know, finger on the pulse. So if I'm going to go away from diversification, it's going to be in something I'm actively involved in as opposed to just like picking a stock that like I have no involvement with. All right. So that's diversification. I know we can go a lot of different directions with this. I'll let it leave it up to you guys if you want to dig into different topics or go different directions on this. Uh, feel free to reach out. I appreciate the questions y'all been throwing out. I'll continue to take those in and, and we'll cover, you know, as they come up, we'll cover those topics. All right. As always, good catching up. We'll see you next time. As always, thank you so much for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please give us a review on iTunes and share with a friend. Also check out our website at financeforphysicians.co for all sorts of additional content. 
See you next time. Finance for Physicians is not an investment, tax, legal, or financial advisor. All content included in this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial tax or legal advice. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by Finance for Physicians as to another party's informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. If you don't have an advisor or would like a second opinion, feel free to check out our website for recommended advisors.